Welcome to Cowan Insights, a space that brings leading thinkers together to share insights and ideas shaping the world around us. Join us as we converse with the top minds who are influencing our global sectors. Hello, my name is Charles Ree, Cowan's Healthcare Technology Analyst, and welcome to Cowan's Future Health Podcast. Uh, today's podcast is part of our monthly series that continues Cowan's efforts to bring together thought leaders, innovators, and investors to discuss how the convergence of healthcare, technology, and consumerism is changing the way we look at health, healthcare, and the healthcare system. And today we're talking about healthcare navigation and putting power back into the hands of consumers. And joining me today to discuss the topic is Jordan Feldman, co-founder and CEO of Rightway Healthcare. Jordan launched Rightway in 2017 to help streamline healthcare offerings with a high-tech, high-touch platform. And the Rightway platform serves as a single point of contact for an employee throughout their healthcare journey and allows employers to optimize costs while producing high-quality, cost-efficient healthcare to employees. Uh, So, Jordan, thanks for uh, joining us today. Thanks, Charles. Excited to be here. Let's start with talking about Rightway here and and maybe your journey to where we are now. And, you know, what led you to start Rightway? And, you know, what kind of problems were you trying to solve for uh, when you started? Absolutely. So, you know, growing up, I had a dad who was a cardiologist, so I always thought I would follow that path myself. I got to college, kind of quickly transitioned out of that and started my career in finance. Uh, I worked at Goldman Sachs uh, for about four years and then helped start a growth equity fund called Redbird Capital. Uh, At Redbird, I started spending a lot of time in healthcare and healthcare services. So uh, we looked at companies like One Medical, like Accolade, like Quantum, like Healthcare Blue Book. So really started getting familiar with what was out there, what impact it made, what worked, but also some of the gaps and deficiencies in what was being delivered. So I took a step back and, and with my dad, we started to think about what could this look like? How could we start to uh, innovate and right-size the, the current universe of delivery? And, and that's really where uh, we formulated the idea behind Rightway. And it was a simple premise. It was, how do we give every member, every patient, every employee, uh, a doctor in their family. Uh, when you have a doctor in your family, that's someone who knows healthcare, that's someone who you trust, and that's someone who can hold your hand from point of diagnosis to the last bill paid. And you know, the whole delivery is how do we wrap technology, analytics, insights uh, around that personalized approach uh, to deliver a more elegant, more empowering, more seamless healthcare experience. So that's, that's where it started. Yeah, and, and, and to your point, I mean, having a, a doctor in the family is a different experience growing up, uh, you know, actually same for me. How have consumers, you know, historically been supported in navigating through their healthcare? Yeah, so w- what's interesting is, is the care delivery uh, in most cases will be adequate, but it's really the care decision support that most people are um, confused by. And, and that aha moment was around a lunch table where, you know, five different friends, family, extended friends came up to my dad and said, hey, doc, where can I go for my AFib ablation? And how do I get an appointment for a wellness visit in your office? And do I need to be on this brand jar- drug or are there better alternatives? And how do I use this new telemedicine benefit? So it was really around that care decision support that people don't have that advocate. They don't have that centralized resource that they can go to and through to answer those questions. So in a lot of cases, employees can get in the hands of great care delivery, 
but it's really the longitudinal continuum that members are most frustrated and in the dark by. And that's where you hear the, the anecdotes and the memes of just looking stuff up on, on WebMD and feeling hopeless and helpless. And I think that's a big part of what a typical member journey looks like. So if you can start to fill those voids of not necessarily while you're being seen in the doctor's office, but kind of everything else that goes into it before, during, and after, uh, you can start to really transform what it means to be a consumer in healthcare. And what you say makes so much sense. And it seems, you know, pretty straightforward and uh, obvious uh, when you state it that way. Why do you think it's been so difficult for, for that kind of offering to be in the market? Uh, I know some have tried, but, you know, what do you think has been the challenge for that, that hasn't really made it really take off the way it probably should? Yeah, so if you look at healthcare as a, a pie and the 30 to 40% of healthcare spend that's wasteful uh, or preventable, that's really what we're going after. We're going after the wrong intensity of care, the wrong site of service, uh, and suboptimal quality of care. And when you look at uh, a standard member progression, you can see how they get into trouble uh, around these three variables. You know, if your back hurts, do you go to an orthopedic surgeon? Do you go to a physiatrist? Do you go to a physical therapist? Do you use a digital MSK clinic? Do you take to a leave and call it a day? And when you start to map out the care continuums of a basket of 10 people, you know, those who are navigating this journey uh, on their own without the levels of sophistication and insight and information versus those that are navigating this journey with the, uh, you know, dedicated and personalized support of someone who really understands the underlying ecosystem, you know, you're going to look at those progressions and see much higher levels of efficiency in those that are supported than those that are going about it on their own. I think historically, you know, some of this was owned by folks, primary care physician. I think as you've seen that landscape change, uh, folks are, are left kind of searching uh, for alternatives. And, you know, I think the the alignment of the underlying ecosystem doesn't necessarily allow for this. You know, the, the health plans aren't in the business of customer service. They're not always financially aligned with the underlying member. They're, you know, sometimes seen as uh, adversarial um, in the member experience because they're the ones denying claims and telling you where you can and can't go. So there hasn't really been a formal uh, ecosystem or mousetrap kind of created to capture that digital front door uh, for the member. And I think that's where, as consumerism matures, we're really seeing kind of a, a new uh, age of, you know, what you can do to support the member around their journey. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. Um, so, you know, since you started the company, uh, has the scope of what you're trying to do changed? Because you know, obviously you, you talked about the idea of having a doctor uh, available to every family, uh, to every person to, to speak with and get trusted advice. Um, you know, how, ha how has Rightway's mission changed over time then? And you know, how have you developed, you know, your platform to meet those changes? Absolutely. So when we started Rightway, and this was a big part of my investing thesis around navigation and advocacy, is I really felt like it had the opportunity to be that platform in healthcare. Everyone talks about platforms and technology, um, but, you know, we don't have that first um, screen of your iPhone healthcare presence that we do in almost every other uh, sector and category. And when I looked at navigation, I said, that may not be the delivery that has the best chance to impact healthcare all the way downstream, 
but it does have the best chance to really create the platform effect in healthcare. So when we started Rightway, we wanted to be at that top of the funnel, at that front door for each member, supporting them across the widest variety of healthcare use cases and opportunities. And you know, we started delivering this navigation and advocacy, and that's a very privileged position to sit in within the enterprise healthcare ecosystem. You start to learn a lot about what members need, about what members are looking for, and in having that vantage point, you learn where there are frustrations, where there's friction, where there's pain points. And that's what we started to see, not only at the member level, but at the plan sponsor level. And, and we could you know, clearly see that the opportunity to not only impact member experience, but to impact you know, member and plan costs was disproportionately around pharmacy. You know, it's the highest uh, frequency, most recurring part of healthcare. And the current consumer experience in that space is all sorts of backwards and essentially non-existent. So as we kind of took a step back and said, how can we continue to um, impact the member experience? How can we continue to reduce total cost of care? Uh, the entry to do more in the pharmacy space was, you know, obvious. And, you know, we said, could we make the impact on pharmacy just being a navigation player? And the answer was no. The underlying infrastructure and ecosystem doesn't allow for real optimization, for real transparency, for all of the vectors and variables that we pride ourselves on on the navigation side. So we had to go further. We had to build some of that infrastructure and deliver ourselves. We couldn't rely on the legacy PBMs uh, to really help innovate around the member experience. So what Rightway has now created is that longitudinal platform across medical and pharmacy that's going to be able to better control um, not only the member experience but also total cost of care and, and that's where you know the navigation and advocacy platform has really expanded um, you know in an ideal world uh, we could have just been that optimization layer on top um, and you know wouldn't have to re-architect the underlying plumbing and infrastructure but you know, once you go under the hood of a PBM, you start to realize that you know a lot of the legacy delivery doesn't afford that, and and that's really where um, you know our conviction to re-architect the PBM space uh, came to be. But with the same underlying principles, you know, the same underlying principles of how do we most effectively engage and support a member, and how do we reduce total cost of care? And we don't need to own everything. But you know the care navigation plus the new to the world PBM is how we best believe that we can deliver this experience and this impact on cost. Uh, yeah, so you know Jordan, that that makes a lot of sense, and you know it's it's funny you say that, right? Because I feel like you know the old adage is when when you start looking at your benefits, you know what are what are, what are the one first things you look at is is sort of your pharmacy coverage, your copays, and you know see if your medications are covered. So it's clearly. Yeah, I think typically top of mind uh, for people. You, you talk about this increasing awareness to uh, of the need to help the consumers navigate their healthcare, and, and I think over the last several years we have seen that, right? Uh, you know, companies like Accolade and others, you know, have been, and you mentioned it earlier, right? And we've seen these companies come to market, you know, to assist uh, in that regard. You know, sometimes coming from different angles. Uh, you, you talked about pharmacy. Um, you know, maybe what are some of the other ways that you know, you find that you believe right way really differs from um, competitors? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, putting back the, the investor hat, um, what I was looking at in the space was a, a bunch of analog or mostly analog systems. You know, not a lot of personalization, 
uh, not a lot of technology around the delivery, not a lot of scalability um, and cost efficiency for what was being delivered, but also, you know, what I would argue are highly disruptive deliveries to uh, the ecosystem. So tearing out the TPA and replacing UM and DM and prior off. And, you know, we said, is that really what consumers want? Do they really want more circuit breakers and, and more, um, you know, bumps in the road to, to access their healthcare? Or do they want, you know, true advocacy and support for the sake of, you know, better healthcare experiences? So when we look to, you know, really build upon some of the, the legacy models in the navigation and advocacy space, the first thing we said was had to be a digital first front door. If we're really going to, uh, you know, scale this and optimize, um, you know, what's an increasingly mobile first type uh, of everything, really, uh, we had to start with that first principle. And, and that's where it started, a better experience around that digital part of healthcare. And, you know, that wasn't really being done in kind of this uh, traditional navigation and advocacy space. And then we had to layer in the personalization. You know, we use dedicated uh, and personalized uh, clinical health guides uh, to support every member. That goes back to that doctor and the family. So you're not calling a generic call center. You're not getting a different person every time. You're not um, you know, kind of thrashing uh, with the, the traditional call center type infrastructure. So, you know, that digital front door plus the personalized clinical navigator and then wrapping everything into the ecosystem. So using better analytics to understand a population, where are the areas of opportunity? What are the care gaps? How can we start to optimize and improve around those three variables that we mentioned earlier, uh, site of service, intensity of service, and, and quality of care. And that's where the analytics that we're pulling out in the population health approach uh, to dealing uh, with the membership really starts to allow us to be proactive and, and be precise and, and, and um, you know, kind of efficient in supporting that population. So, you know, the analytics piece, and the population health approach to engaging uh, this population, I, I would say, is one of the other big differentiators because that allows us to really pull it all together and then measure the impact we're making. And that measurement, uh, that justification for you know what we're doing, um, you know that ability to say that if you sign up right way, you know not only do we think we're going to make an impact, but we're going to be able to report it back to you. And we've just finished some independent actuarial analysis where. Um, you know, we're showing that companies that use the right way platform are, are generating 14 and a half percent less spend uh, than companies that don't. And, and I think that's where it really wraps it all together on top of the high engagement rates on top of the net promoter scores. So, you know, I think there's a lot of different uh, ways and approaches that we are um, differentiated versus some of the legacy players. But, you know, those would be the four or five that uh, I, I would point to as making the most acute impact. And, and that's really interesting. The 14% sounds, it sounds very substantial here. Those, those studies look at the, the, the trend uh, impact relative to if an employer used some other type of service or sort of if they just not used any. Yes. Yeah, so they um, will index match um, at the underlying member level based on demographics, based on conditions, based on comorbidities, uh, based on geography, plan, plan design. Um, so they're looking at the underlying member uh, that's utilizing right way versus an underlying member 
that's not utilized the right way, but index match for all the same uh, criteria that you know the the right way uh, member is accounting for. So you know it would essentially be a company that doesn't uh, have right way in place, but could have other you know digital services, digital therapeutics. Uh, in place, just not the right way platform kind of pulling it all together. And, you know, that's where we really spike, right? It's not just care navigation and advocacy that's making a difference for the underlying member. What care navigation and advocacy is best able to accomplish is illuminating the broader ecosystem, is being able to say, hey, we have all of these other resources available. We have telemedicine. We have second opinions, we have a digital MSK clinic, a fertility benefit. And by putting that all in a centralized ecosystem uh, within the, the digital front door, which is that navigation platform, we can start to drive and increase utilization and adoption uh, of these different services. So, you know, not only is it the primary care navigation that is making an impact, but it's all the downstream positive externalities from increased utilization and adoption of all of these other great tools and services that are out there. That, that makes sense. And, you know, you talked about several of the key differentiators, you know, which one of them tends to really cut through the noise uh, when you're in front of employer, potential clients? Well, all of those are obviously very impactful, but, you know, do you find uh, employers are gravitating to uh, either the cost savings first or they gravitate, you know, to, you know, the member experience, you know, what, what do you see tend that uh, employees tend to, sorry, employers, you know, tend to focus on most often? Yeah, it's, it's really a great question because, you know, there are uh, dual mandates of the right way platform. It's, you know, engagement and net promoter score on, on one hand and then cost savings on the other. Um, Look, I think particularly in this environment, post-COVID, where employee uh, health and well-being and support and advocacy is so critical, um, most of the employers that um, are looking to right way initially um, want to make sure that the member experience is there. And, you know, I say all the time, uh, member engagement and member experience, high net promoter score, those earn us the right to save costs around healthcare. You know, you can't just magically reduce total cost of care if you can't support and guide and steer and synthetically narrow that network for, you know, highest quality, most cost efficient choices and options for that member. So, you know, when we're going in to make that employer sale, they need to know that, you know, right way is going to deliver the same sort of personalization and dedication and just empathy to those underlying members that, the head of HR, the head of benefits, the CFO uh, would really do. And then, you know, that's year one, that's year two, people are using it, you're starting to make an impact. And then over time, you could start to show the cost savings. So, you know, I was actually uh, a bit surprised that it was in that sequencing. You know, I would have thought that the CFO was saying, you know, any way to, to cut costs will we'll sign up for. But it's definitely a, a bit of a dual mandate, which I think, um, you know, allows us to uh, lead with the appropriate, um, you know, kind of value prop. Yeah, you, you brought it up before, right? The, the real point of advocacy and navigation is to illuminate, you know, all the other benefits that employees have available. In other words, employees are already purchasing and paying for a whole host of services. Um, you know, how have employers typically gone about 
communicating these benefits to their employees? And you know, what are the, some of the challenges that they've had to, to be successful to get the real you know, ROI on some of these extra services that they provide? And you know, you know, how quickly can, can you, when Rightway kind of comes in, and really uh, you know, flip that over? Yeah, I, I, I would use an anecdotal uh, experience to, to address this. I mean, if you're an employee and it's October and you're going through open enrollment and you're trying to select what plan type you should be on and why you should be on that plan, and then you get a package of materials with all of the additional uh, 15 point solutions that you have in place, um, and you know they're one-page handouts, and you have a different password for each, and you you know don't know if the plan that you selected actually uh, gives you the right to use it, and are they opt-in or are they just generally available for the whole population? So you know you're looking at a completely overwhelmed, uh, confused, frustrated member at that open enrollment point where they'll basically just remove themselves from that entire ecosystem and say, there's too much going on here. There are too many passwords, too many signups, too many things to do. I don't know what I'm eligible for. I don't know how any of this works. And you just create an overwhelming uh, environment for them. So this goes back to that kind of thesis or maybe hypothesis on why I think navigation can finally pull this all together in a platform like effect. It's because navigation can um, you know, really centralize all of these, make these all available via single sign-on. And if you're a member and you don't know what to use, now we can start simplifying the messaging uh, to the underlying employee and saying, hey, you don't need to worry about these 15 different tools and services that are being delivered. You have RightWay. It's going to put everything on the first screen of your iPhone. You're not going to have to worry about passwords for each. And then if you have any questions around the benefits of that digital therapeutic versus an in-person visit versus you know, any of the alternatives, you can then have that asynchronous conversation with your dedicated care navigator who understands everything that's in the ecosystem. So now we've taken a universe of almost you know, infinite choice and optionality that the member go to and through, and we can put everything in a coordinated um, and efficient way uh, into that environment. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, you brought it up before, you know, COVID has maybe changed sort of um, the mandates. You know, there's more of a dual mandate coming from, from companies, even, even CFOs, as you noted. Um, you know, how much do you think COVID-19 has changed sort of the environment on how companies look at uh, their employee benefits uh, overall? Look, I think it's changed how employers look at their employee benefits, and I think it's changed how employees look at their employee benefits. I think, you know, this has created disruption at scale uh, in the digital health ecosystem and has, you know, raised the stakes. Um, you know, the way that people used to interact with their telemedicine benefit or their second opinion service or their mental health benefit uh, is very different than how they've interacted with it uh, over the last, you know, 12 to 18 months. And the expectations are now higher. They use those as the only option. It used to be, you know, if it didn't work, uh, you had choices. You had you know, the ability to pick up the phone and go to urgent care and, you know, go see your psychiatrist or psychologist and go to physical therapy. Um, you know, the world came to a standstill, but people still needed to get care, whether it be preventative or acute. 
and they turned to these digital first resources and the stakes were immediately raised. There was no alternative. There was no ability to say, you know what, that you know, virtual physical therapy visit didn't do it for me. I'm going to go see my doc in person. So I think coming out of this, um, every virtual care delivery, virtual care decision support is going to have to be that much better uh, for the underlying member. And, and I think they're now comfortable using it because they were forced to. And, you know, it's not um, just my view, I think anyone you talk to in the digital health space would say it's accelerated adoption by, you know, five, 10, maybe even more uh, years than that, because people were forced into uh, opting in. And, you know, that created adoption at a, a, a slope of a curve that, you know, we haven't seen anything close to. So I think employers are saying, we need to make this a part of our go forward delivery, but we need to make sure that what we're putting in the hands of our underlying members are actually gonna solve the problem and not just be some of the check the box solutions that we used to have. I think that was what plagued the digital health environment is you just had these check the box solutions that they were offered, they sat in the background, no one used them or appreciated them. And that was good enough because you know people weren't forced into using them, but that's all changed. The employer is taking notice, the employees, are taking notice and I really think it's gonna usher in a, a kind of new paradigm for all digital health. And you know, I think that will allow the best products and the best deliveries and the best services to you know really win the day. And it kind of highlights then, you know, the the role of a, a right way in all this, right? To make sure people understand what they have available to them. You know, maybe maybe talk about sort of uh, what the engagement, you already talked about very high engagement levels with your members, but you know, maybe talk about what you saw during uh, you know, the last year in COVID and, and how you were able to then you know, maybe help uh, members, you know, through this time, uh, maybe some anecdotes or, you know, how people used it. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, first and foremost, uh, when it initially started, we saw a relative panic and, and understandably so. And, and members were just reaching out to their navigators uh, for advice, for perspective, for, you know, what's going on here? What do I do? How do I get ready? How do I prepare? Um, you know, can I travel? So, you know, I'd say initially it was just education and, and perspective around what was going on. And, you know, our clinical team really took a lot of pride in just being able to, you know, support some of the, you know, understandable hysteria uh, around this environment. So, you know, that's where we started. And I think as folks started to settle in, uh, you saw a complete uh, evolution from, you know, I'm going to see my doctor uh, to what other alternatives are there uh, to procure care. So that's where our navigation team really went into action. And, you know, for those that needed to be seen in person, um, we're able to coordinate, uh, you know, very tight windows for uh, in-person visitation. Where there were alternatives, we were able to start highlighting uh, where and how members could seek kind of alternative care, and, and those would be all the digital and virtual uh, options. But, you know, it's, it's, it was really around um, the kind of conditions and comorbidities that have been plaguing employer healthcare spend uh, historically, and it's just kind of put those on steroids. So, um, you know, we were seeing mental and behavioral health uh, become a top category. We were seeing, you know, musculoskeletal conditions through, you know, bad posture and just a new 
work environment and a work reality, uh, you know, really starting to bother people. We were seeing, um, you know, some adherence uh, around medications really falling off because, you know, people weren't just going to their pharmacy to pick up a few groceries and get their prescription drug filled. And, you know, now we're navigating the new world order of, you know, male pharmacies and how to even get that set up. So, you know, it was mostly around the uh, immediate kind of byproducts of what COVID created. And then over time, we saw kind of a reversion to the mean. But I actually think, you know, the pendulum is so far uh, on one side here where, you know, people basically said if it wasn't an emergency, uh, I'm not going to have to go do it. And if, if you look at some of the data, uh, you know, heart attacks are down, cancers are down. And, you know, I promise you people didn't stop, um, you know, experiencing both of those tragic uh, environments. They were just less likely to seek care around them. So, you know, I think it's going to be more critical than ever that we all start to appreciate and recognize that last year's just general health and healthcare uh, environment um, is going to, you know, come back with an unfortunate kind of vengeance. And we need to prepare for that. And we need to make sure that we're doing our part, whether it's a navigation and advocacy company or an employer, um, or even the underlying member to say, you know, what did I forego over the last 15 months? And, you know, what do I have to do to kind of get back to equilibrium? Yeah, and unfortunately, we're, we're probably going to see that, uh, you know, as you think about it, then, you know, where do you, where do you envision Rightway's platform expanding going forward then to kind of meet that challenge? Yeah, so the first thing we did, um, and this probably accelerated uh, that adoption, was uh, to build in-house telemedicine. Um, we uh, saw telemedicine experiences over the last 15 months and, you know, they were, they were inadequate. They were uh, either triaged by a Rightway navigation platform and it was almost like you were getting thrown over the fence. You'd show up for your telemedicine visit. They would have no context, uh, no history on you. You'd kind of do that transactional uh, triage. And then you were thrown back over to the fence for kind of a, a good luck with what's next. And we looked at that and we said, that's not the future of virtual care. That's not the future of telemedicine. Telemedicine needs to be connected longitudinally to the broader care continuum. So, you know, while we don't want to be a telemedicine company, we believe that telemedicine is a critical feature of navigation. And that's because that linkage between member coming to our funnel, us saying that the appropriate triage is the telemedicine, but the universe of um, options after that telemedicine visit um, is extensive. And, you know, that's where we can have the warm handoff back to your navigator, understanding the history bi-directionally, you know, going in for the visit, uh, our telemedicine doc knew what was going on, and then going out of the visit, our navigator uh, knew what was discussed. So now all of a sudden we can really um, deliver this linkage between navigation and telemedicine that hasn't historically been done. And, you know, you've seen some M&A activity with a uh, similar thesis around this, but, you know, that's where we wanted to start. Now, uh, an additional kind of massive effort for us has obviously been in the pharmacy benefit space where uh, we see a big opportunity around member experience and, and total cost of care. So, you know, I'd say those have been kind of the two 
biggest initiatives, but you know, we have some pretty exciting stuff on the horizon as well. Yeah. Does that, does that suggest, you know, an eventual evolution into, you know, more or less virtual primary care? You know, you know, you're helping people find the care they need. You can help triage them, but maybe start then building, you know, a real longitudinal relationship, not just in their advocacy, but also in their care itself. I think that's right. I mean, I, I think the um, relationship between members and primary care providers um, is at an inflection point. And, you know, is that going to be um, done in person? Is that going to be virtual? Is that going to be through care navigation? You know, when I realized, and, and I've told this story a few times, when I realized that telemedicine was here to stay and that people were starting to get comfortable uh, around telemedicine, it wasn't uh, because, you know, I saw a, a bunch of consumer adoption or people saying, I'd love to do a telemedicine visit. It was, you know, my dad sometime in the middle of April, who's never done a telemed, never delivered a telemedicine visit in his life. And, you know, here he was getting wired and plugged in and, you know, ready uh, for a whole different type of experience. And, you know, after about uh, a day or two, and then a month or two, and then a year, um, he said, you know what? this is viable. I can deliver the value that I deliver. And, you know, he's a preventative cardiologist. So I would argue for, you know, his population, uh, he essentially serves as that primary care doc. But, you know, it wasn't so much the member saying that I'm going to, um, you know, interact with my PCP virtually. It was the provider saying, you know what, this makes all the sense in the world. I don't have to be 30 minutes late to each visit. I don't have to um, you know, deal with all of the headaches and hassles of, of potentially being in an office, and I can just cycle through my patient load, spend more time with them. So I actually think this is coming uh, from two different dimensions. It's employees saying, I don't want to wait an hour in the waiting room, and it's actually providers saying, um, I could get used to this. So as it relates to Rightway, you know, yes, do we want to have the PCPs on site uh, to be able to own that kind of virtual primary care relationship? Absolutely. But we also know that there's a lot of great providers and PCPs that don't need to be a part of our formalized ecosystem uh, to deliver great virtual primary care. So in the case where it's not happening with the right way uh, provider, uh, we want to make sure that we're enabling you know, that underlying member, if you know, my dad is their PCP, uh, to get to him uh, to be able to have that visit. So I think it's, you know, definitely something we're considering, but, you know, I don't think that we want to limit the universe of who members can go to for their PCP by just saying it has to be a, you know, right way network provider. There's, there's lots of other great docs out there. Right. And, and this has all been great. And, you know, uh, I think we're, you know, coming up on time. So I, I maybe just to end with perhaps, uh, you know, five years from now, you know, what do you think the, the world looks like? Obviously, you're, you're very positive on the outlook for, you know, virtual care and, and where digital health is today. You know, if you think about particularly advocacy and, and navigation, you know, what, what do you think the, what do you think it looks like, you know, a few years from now? Yeah, so look, biased, but I, I very much think we're in the early innings of uh, navigation and advocacy and even consumerism more broadly. Um, you know, I think it was already happening in the background as employees started to have more information, more choices, more financial accountability than they've ever had. 
Um, but in a post-COVID world, I think it's only going to accelerate uh, that reality. So, you know, I think what employers and employees are looking for are the centralized comprehensive platform around all of this. And we're seeing this with broker consultants. We're seeing this with TPAs, with coalitions. They're trying to pull all this stuff together. They're trying to say, hey, you don't need this menu of choices, but you know, we're going to curate the, the prefix, if you will, uh, and tell you what the best options are for um, you know, a, a comprehensive delivery uh, around member experience and, and managing cost of care. So you know, I think whether it's consolidation uh, with some of these players or just brokers saying, you know what, we're going to be the ones to pull this all together, um, I think we're going to see a lot more than that. And I fundamentally believe that, you know, navigation and advocacy is going to be um, that hub of the wheel to really make this all happen. So, you know, very bullish on, on where, you know, I see um, navigation and advocacy going. And, you know, I think uh, navigation and advocacy will evolve by supporting longitudinally medical and pharmacy. And I think that's where historically it's, it's been lacking. Um, you know, the pharmacy experience has been virtually impossible uh, to impact in kind of a, a consumer-friendly way. Um, and, you know, that's really where uh, we're starting to focus on to make sure that the entire uh, continuum is supported, not just, you know, a, a single medical piece of it. That's great. Jordan, you know, really thanks for uh, joining us today. Really enjoyed this conversation. And, uh, you know, I, I think you made a lot of great points. And, you know, we'll look forward to, to seeing how Rightway progresses over the years to come. And, uh, you know, you know, wish you all the best. And uh, hopefully you'll come back and, uh, you know, give us an update uh, sometime down the road. Absolutely, Charles. Really enjoyed the conversation and look forward to being back with you soon. Great. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for the next episode of Cowan Insights.